Luke chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 21. And we're going to read God's word starting there in verse 25. And as you turn there, uh, I was thinking back uh, about my early years in in serving God, how uh, the story, if you haven't heard it, um, it's just, it's, it's God's grace and how he drew me in. And, I, and the Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless the, the Spirit draws him, right? So it's by God's grace that, that we're here today. It's by God's grace that we're saved. It's by God's grace that we're here uh, in the house of God. It's, it's by his grace, his Spirit drew us. And I think of my life and I think of my, the early years as I, I came to, to be a Christian there um, as a teenager back in the 90s. Um, and just learning about the things of God, it was all so fresh and uh, it was all so new. And I remember uh, hearing the truth that Jesus is coming soon. We remember that, right? That Jesus is, is coming soon. The, the second coming of Christ is coming very soon. And I remember hearing that as, as a teenager and here getting into Christianity and learning about the things of God and, and, and just hearing this. And in many ways, it brought excitement, right? It brought excitement, but it also brought some fear. And I would say it was a, it was a healthy fear because it caused me in my life to, to want to be uh, worthy to be taken whenever that time comes, whenever the Lord comes and, and to be part of the rapture. I remember, I remember uh, watching movies uh, way back then, Christian movies like, like Thief in the Night, like Night Song, right? These movies that that were so powerful in the truth of the gospel, reminding us that Jesus is coming soon. And today that message is even more real uh, today as it was then, because how many know Jesus Christ is coming soon? Can you say amen? He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for us. And, and I remember just the, just the thought and how that would make me feel in the deepest parts of my heart, and it caused me to strive to make it to strive to finish this race, whatever God had for me and asked for me to seek after that and to make that my number one priority as as God began to do something in my life way back then. Because I was someone that didn't want to be left behind as as we thought of the the second coming of Christ. There was a fresh anticipation and, and fear of God in my life and my heart. And you know what it did? It changed my heart. It changed the way I lived. It caused me to 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 change the way I live, to the decisions that I make, the things that, that, I, that I stop doing, so the things that I would start doing would be righteous and holy in God's eyes to the best of my ability and by God's strength. I remember those times. And today as we look at the current state of the world and all that's going on there in the Middle East in Israel, we need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. Can you say amen? He's coming back, and it's happening soon, and we have to be ready as a people of God. We must be ready. We have to ready our lives, ready our hearts, and by by God's strength, he'll help us. We've heard it for many years, but this morning I pray that we're reminded once again that the second coming of Christ is at hand, and Jesus is coming soon. So I pray this morning through God's word, and as we dive into his his word, that it would help it would help us in our lives, one, to look forward to it, as the Bible says, but, but to watch how we live. To finish this race, God's called us to great things, God's called us to serve him, but we have to finish this race. So Luke chapter 21, verse 25, I want to read with you there. And here's what the Bible says. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. How many know just yesterday there's an eclipse, right? 
Those that, that saw that, you stepped outside, the, the sun was shining just a little bit different. So, yeah, there was an eclipse. So, and there will be a strange signs in the sun, moons, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power in great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Praise God. I want to minister a message this morning entitled, Your Salvation Draws Near. If you could, let's bow our heads this morning as we pray for this time. Father, we come before you, Lord. We're so grateful, my God, for your grace upon our lives, Father God, for salvation, my God. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the, the truth of your word, Father God, where you say, Lord, that you're not finished, Father God, with our lives. You're not finished, that you're faithful to, to finish the work that you've begun, Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for that. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for loving us, O oh God. Jesus, we thank you for dying for us, for the sacrifice that was made for our lives, O oh God. And I pray today, Lord, as we look into your holy word, that our lives would be changed, that our hearts would be changed, Father God. That we would walk out of here different, Father God. That we would understand that that day is coming soon, Father. So let us prepare our hearts and our lives, Father God. That you would find a church that is unblemished, Father. We thank you, Lord God. I just pray for your people this morning, God. Those that are here in the sanctuary. Those that are tuning in online, Father God. Everyone hearing the word this morning, I pray that you would help us, Father God, to have soft hearts and open ears, Father God, to your word. We thank you. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is at work. As we think about this and as we're reminded about the second coming of Christ, we have to be reminded that in our lives, we have to keep the number one thing number one. The most important thing in our lives, we have to keep it in priority on our hearts. And the Bible says in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. If we could be motivated this morning, if we could be encouraged, if we could be challenged, if we could be convicted, let it be with this scripture that we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It needs to be our being. It needs to be what we strive after. And our day is full of responsibilities. We have to get up and go to work, right? Where perhaps you're in school, you're, you're pursuing a career, you gotta do that. All these things that, that, that we're a part of are great, but all in all, we have to understand that in our heart, we must love the Lord our God with our, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And having that attitude in our lives will affect the decisions we make. Can you say amen? The places we, we go, the places we don't go, the things that we do, the, things, the, way, the, way, the way we talk, the way we think, what we strive after, what is our ambition, should all be based on scriptures like this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And perhaps you're in this place and your strength is perhaps failing and you've, you've maybe made some recent decisions that, that, that have caused you to, to get off the track, that have caused you to, to, to lose sight of, of where you need to be. Well, by God's grace, you're here this morning. Can you say amen? It's by God's grace, grace that you have another breath in, in, in your lungs right now. It's by God's grace, grace that you've seen another day. 
So you have a chance. We have a chance to get it right. Perhaps you've, you've made some bad decisions. Perhaps you've strayed. Whatever it may be, perhaps things have happened in your life. But by God's grace, you can get back on track. And you know where you're at. You can, they're the only one that can answer that question. Where, where's my heart? What am I chasing after? It's got to be the Lord. While we live in this world, we have to be careful not to become a part of this world and this world's structure and this world's way of thinking. Right? We're in the world. We got to do our, 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 our responsibilities as I talked about. You got to get up and go to work. You got to be faithful at your job. You got to go to school. You got to take care of your family. You got to be that husband that God's called you to be. You have to be that wife that God's called you to be, that mother, that father, whatever it may be. But in that, in everything, it should be encompassed by the word of God and how he tells us to live, not what the world says. It's getting crazy. So many, so many different ways of thinking and thoughts and viewpoints in this world, but we always have to look back at the word of God as truth and final truth. See, we're citizens of heaven. Can you say amen? amen. We're citizens of heaven. We should live according to the way he wants us to live, not to what the world says, not what the world says is right or wrong because they don't know, they're deceived. Remember our enemy, right? What does the Bible call him? The prince of the power of the air. There's many voices that are going out and he's convincing people what's right and he's turning the truth into something different, but we have God's word. We're citizens of heaven and we should live according to God's word. And everything that we do, every decision that we make, what we do, what we don't do, should be based on the word of God. We're citizens of heaven, and we serve Jesus, and our lives need to reflect this. And we're not perfect. God knows we're not perfect, but by God's strength and by God's grace, we can do it with the strength that he provides. The Bible says in John 15, 19, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. There's the truth, there's the gospel, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. So the, the Bible says, Jesus says, when, when the world hates you, be encouraged because the world loves her own. When you're doing what the world wants you to do, of course the world's gonna love you, you're gonna be favored by, by people, but when you do what God wants you to do, many times it's not looked on favorably. It's looked on as, as weird and out of place. But Jesus says, you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. 1 Peter 2.10, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. You are God's people. Thank you, Jesus. That's good news for us this morning. You are God's people by God's grace. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. How many are excited for that this morning? That's good news. You have received God's mercy in your life. Verse 11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. So the Bible calls us temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. We know what these are. The things that tempt you, the evil that tempts you, the things that, that God's pulled you away from, but those things that, that try to come around and tempt you and to, and to take you back. The Lord says, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So we have to keep this on top of our hearts and minds. This is number one in our lives. Jesus is priority. Jesus is number one. If he's Lord and Savior, as we say he is, he's got to be Lord and Savior of our hearts. 
Sometimes we want him just as savior. Can you say amen, right? When, when, we're, when we're in the trenches or when we're down and out or when, when we need help, God save me, right? We call for God save me, help me, save me from this thing. Or you're in this situation that, that's just, just so horrible. God save me, save me. But what about being Lord? Have we made him Lord of our lives? Powerful enough in our life to, to dictate our decisions, the way that we live, where we go, what we do, what we believe, what we talk about. See, he wants to be Lord. He needs to be Lord and Savior of our lives. We understand what being saved is saved. God save me. God help me. But he has to be Lord of our lives. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. As God's people in this world, as we prepare for the second coming of Christ, that we can't adopt the worldly, unholy customs of this world. Now there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 17. And as we look in the, in the Old Testament, we understand Israel, and there are many kings, right, that reigned over Israel throughout many years. And there was this one king, his name was Hoshea in, in 2 Kings chapter 17. And he was a king of Israel, in Samaria, and as the Bible talks about him, there were things that he did that were not right in God's eyes. So he was a king of Israel, and then we had this other king, the enemy of Israel, the king of Assyria, his name was Shalmaneser, and he attacked Israel in Samaria. So we have Hoshea, the king of Israel, who was in Samaria, then we have this other king, Shalmaneser, who attacked Israel. And over the span of time, after nine years in, this, in, this, in our context in, in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 7 through 12, it says that this king of Assyria invaded the king of Israel's land, Samaria, and after nine years, Samaria fell. So they succumbed to the enemy. And it goes on to say that the people of Israel, they were exiled throughout Assyria, and they were settled in different colonies. Now listen, as we understand that, listen to what the Bible says here in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 7. It says, this disaster came upon the people of Israel because they worshipped other gods. They sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them safely out of Egypt and had rescued them from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. We remember that from, from Sunday school, right? Remember the story where God saved the, the children of Israel out of Egypt. So God brought them out. But over the span of time, they began to worship other gods. They had one God, the Lord God, Jehovah. But they began worshiping other gods. And then in verse 8, they had followed the practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven, them, uh, driven from the land ahead of them, as well as the practices the kings of Israel had introduced. The people of Israel had also secretly done many things that were not pleasing to the Lord their God. They built pagan shrines for themselves in all of their towns, from the smallest outposts to the largest walled city. They set, set up sacred pillars and Asherah poles at the top of every hill and under every green tree. This is idolatry that they were committing. Verse 11, they offered sacrifices on all of the hilltop, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. So the people of Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Yes, they worshiped idols, despite the Lord's specific, repeated warnings. Here were the people of God, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. He saved them out of Egypt, under the hand of Pharaoh, and they saw many miracles. God saved them, God helped them, God redeemed them, God fed them. Fed them spiritually, but fed them physically. 
God did so many miracles, and over the span of time, as they were, they were uh, exiled and throughout these colonies, they began, they began to take on the customs of the world around them. And this is a warning for you and I, church, that we have to be careful that we don't begin to adopt the mindset of this world and the, the, the practices of this world, the things that the world says are okay and right, and the things that the world says are, are, are pleasurable, and go ahead and do them because it brings pleasure to you. We have to be careful and understand that we're still the people of God and we have to live according to his word, not the world around us. Each and every day, let us be reminded today, church, that because the children of Israel did these things, the Bible says it aroused the Lord's anger. I don't want God to be angry with me. I want to walk how God has called me to walk. I want to live my life according to the, to the word of God and how he's called me to live. And he makes it very clear throughout his word of what he wants us to do and what he wants us not to do. See, they were God's people. They knew the ways of God. But over the span of time, they began to be influenced by the world. It's a big word today, right? Social media, there's, there's influencers out there, right, that have so many followers. And, and, and what are they putting out there? Some are good. Some have a good message. But there are many that, that don't. You have to be careful. We have to be careful. Who are we being influenced by? Are we influencing the world according to the word of God to be a light in this dark world? Or are we being influenced by the world? There's only one of two ways. So as we prepare for the Lord's coming, we understand that we have to keep them first in our hearts, first and foremost. Secondly, there's little time, but there's time that we have to get to work. In John chapter 9, verse 4, there's a powerful statement that Jesus says here to his people. He says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus said, we must carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. You know what we hear there in that scripture? There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency with what God's entrusted Jesus to do here in his short, his short time of 33 years while he was on, on this earth. He said, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned him. That's the attitude that we should have when it comes to the things of God. If there's something that you can do today, there's something that you know God wants you today, to do today, don't put it off for tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. Can you say Amen. God's called you to do something. God's called you to make something right, perhaps in your heart, in your life, personally, or perhaps in a relationship or relationship or with family, whatever it may be. If it's in our power to do it today, do it today because we're not promised tomorrow. Can you say amen? There has to be a sense of urgency. If God has convicted you to do something, if God has given you instruction to do something, and it's in your power to do it today, get it done today. Jesus said that. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us. And God's given us tasks. God's given us responsibilities. God's given us a calling that we have to do. Carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. See, there's sometimes having a sense of urgency. And then there's, there's the other sense of just being so comfortable and relaxed and, and slow moving with things, right? And sometimes this is, this is visualized for me with, with my kids. When there's maybe we're short on time and there's things that need to be done there at home and, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm asking my, my kids, you know, get this thing done, get up and do this, get dressed, go brush your teeth, get ready for school, all these things. 
when there's a sense of urgency and they step up and they do it, man, what does it do? It brings pleasure to, 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 to mom and dad because they're on it. They have that urgency. Our word has come forth. They've taken it and they're doing what they need to do. But other times, <laughs> when they're tired or they don't feel like doing it, man, a snail's pace will beat them. A snail will beat them. I mean, they're, they're just slow, so slow moving. And what does, it do, what does it do to me? I know what it does to me. It gets on my nerves. I just told you to do something. We, we don't have much time. We got to get up. Let's go. We got to be out the door at 730. Let's go. We got we to get to school or I have to get to work or all these things. Get done what you need to get done. And then you could relax on the couch for a little bit because you're all ready. But there has to be a sense of, of, of urgency. And the same thing with us, church. With what he's given us, there has to be a sense of urgency. Let's get it done. By God's grace, by God's strength, while it is called today, while it's in our power to do it today, let's get it done. Is there an urgency in your life when it comes to what God has called you to do? It's a question for you. It's a question for me. And only we can answer that. He's called me to seek him in prayer. Am I praying like he wants me to pray? He's called me to toil in his word, to learn his word, to read his word, to, to, to eat his word, to believe it, to understand it, to memorize it, to study it. He's called me to share the good news with those around me. He's called me to serve him, to also serve my fellow man. He's called me to do the work of God. He's called us to live holy. Are we doing these things? And sometimes... When you get tired, and we get tired sometimes. We get weary and well-doing sometimes. In 1 Peter 4.11, it says, do, do it all with the strength and energy that God provides. Remember that we have to lean on him. Our flesh fails again and again, but all these things that we're talking about, you do it with the strength that God provides. He gives us his Holy Spirit. You and I have his Holy Spirit that strengthens us, that guides us, that keeps us, that brings to remembrance the things that he taught us. That's good news this morning, right? Man, the Holy Spirit is, is, is so beautiful. He helps us and he gives us the strength, amen, to do what he's called us to do. He hasn't left us empty-handed. If he's calling us to live pure, he's given us his Holy Spirit to help do that. He's given us his word to strengthen us and to guide us. So we have to get to work. So as we prepare for Jesus' coming, we have to keep him number one. Secondly, we have to get to work while there is time. And lastly, we have to keep watch. We have a responsibility as God's people here in this world to be watchful and to warn those around us about the second coming of Christ. Do we remember the message of John the Baptist? His proclamation, his declaration, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. For the kingdom of God is at hand and that's the message that we have to, to spread to the world because there's people that are, that are lost and dying and they're hurting and they're looking for an answer. They may not tell you with words but they're hurting and they're looking for an answer and you and I have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. We have to be faithful with the message he's given us. We have to tell the world, thank you Jesus and what he's done in our lives and what he could do for them to constantly share the good news of Jesus with this lost and dying world. There's a powerful passage in Ezekiel chapter 33 about the watchman and the responsibility of the watchman. Ezekiel 33 verse 1, it says, Once again a message came to me from the Lord, 
Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it. So the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. Now listen to this. This is heavy right here. Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their death, deaths. See, church, we have a responsibility today to share the good news with your loved ones, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your schoolmates. We have a responsibility. They're hurting, they're dying, they're struggling, they're looking for an answer. And you'd be surprised. They're the, the, your, your coworkers that are right next to you, the things that, they're going, that are going on in their lives personally. And we don't try to solicit, you know, conversation about their personal life and all these things, right? We don't want to, to be nosy, right? But we, we share the good news, and, and you'll be surprised. You share the good news and what the Lord's done in your life, how people open up and say, man, I've been struggling with this thing. I, I, I've been believing God for this thing, but it hasn't happened yet. And, you're, and you have an open door to encourage them to, to minister the good news. But you just, just got to be a light. Be a light in this dark world. Share the good news. God will, God will send people to you. God will open the doors for you to be able to minister to them to affect change in this world for Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility. So as we look and prepare for the second coming of Christ, we understand what the Lord says about the resurrection, about the second coming, as we look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we believe that this morning? Amen. That Jesus died and was raised to life again. Thank you, Jesus. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who died. It's good news for, for those that have lost loved ones, for us who have lost loved ones, that have gone before us into the kingdom of God, who, who, uh, who have kept their testimony and finished the race in their lives. God will bring back with him the believers who have died, those very people, your loved ones. We will tell you this directly from the Lord. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Thank you, Jesus. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Isn't that good news? Thank you, Jesus. Let's be reminded, church, we will be caught up in the clouds to meet him in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Today I encourage you with these words. Thank you, Jesus. 
that that time is coming, that we have to ready ourselves, prepare our hearts, prepare our lives, and lean on God's strength and trust in God's grace. If there is breath in your lungs this morning, there's still hope for you. You're not too far gone. You haven't, you, you, you haven't offended God so much that there's no hope for you. If that was the case, you'd be done. You'd be gone. But there is hope for you. And because of that, you are hearing the, these words this morning. Now is not the time to quit. The end is drawing near, so we must be ready. You know, through the years of serving God, there have been many in my life, and I know you could attest to this in your life as well. There have been many that you know that have passed on into eternity. And in our lives, we have to be motivated to always be in a state of preparation when it comes to eternity. We always have to be preparing our lives. We have to, to, to walk how the Lord's called us to walk, to live how he's called us to live, to believe in him, to trust in him from, in, our, in our very hearts and souls. And throughout the years, whether here in these four walls of the house of God, knowing many that have passed on into eternity, and on the flip side, those outside and, and, and who have passed on into eternity, it always puts before my eyes the, the, the frailty of life in time. I pray that we have many more years to spend on this earth. I pray that, that, that you are able to grow old and, and just enjoy life and all the things that God's given you, but there's no promise. We have today, and here we are today, and we have to be responsible for what God's given us today. I think of one situation in my life where I was blessed to, one of my, my cousin who, had, who was in the military, and I, I remember like it was yesterday. He was on his way to, to Iraq. He was on his way to war. He was a Marine, and he was on his way to serve his country, and I remember that, that, that he, he came to church with me. It was a Sunday morning. I remember he sat right there with me, clear as yesterday, and praying. I was praying that God would touch his heart, God would touch his life, and he, he knew about the things of God, right? Many people in this world know about the things of God, so here came the altar call. And I remember him raising his hand. I remember him stepping out of his chair. I remember him coming right here, right here, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember after that, after the service concluded, we have our VIP guest room over here, but back then we had it here. And I remember him coming to the back after the service. And I remember a few of our pastors praying for him and strengthening him and just giving him words of encouragement. He was going off to war. And through the span of time, he was only there for just two weeks. Just a couple of weeks he was there, if I remember correctly. And I was, I was keeping in touch with him via, via email, right, sending him scriptures, encouraging him, right? We were keeping in touch here and there. And I remember, again, being on my way to church and getting, a, getting that, that tragic phone call from my, from my mom that he didn't make it, that he died over there in war. But I'm comforted. I'm comforted because I remember, and I've seen it with, I beheld it with my very eyes, that, that, that a heart, the, the, the decision to, to raise up his hand, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, to be right here, to be blessed, to pray with them. It's the grace of God. See, we never know the power that the message that you have in your heart, your life, your testimony, what God's done for you, how it's going to impact someone. That prayer that you're, that you're blessed to be able to pray with someone, it may be their last. It may be, it may be their last day on earth. We don't know, but we always have to be ready to roll up our sleeves and do the work of the Lord to be a light in this dark world and to be ready to pray and lead others to Christ. With what we're seeing in the news today, 
we understand and know that we're getting close to the end. That the second coming is, is coming soon and we have to be ready. When we see these things that we read about in the Bible happening in our news, before our very eyes, we have to be reminded that we have to stay the course, that we have to remain faithful, that God is coming back, that Jesus is coming back for his church without spot or wrinkle. Zechariah 12, verse 1. We're reminded of this and we, we look at this taking place. This message concerning the fate of Israel came from the Lord. This message is from the Lord who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and formed the human spirit. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege, besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. We heard the powerful message uh, last Sunday from Pastor Richard about Israel and why God favors Israel, why we should pray for Israel, why we should pray for Jerusalem. We see it happening before our eyes. Church, let us be reminded that Jesus is coming soon. We have to be ready. And as our worship team makes their way up today, I want to share a last passage with you as we're reminded of these truths. Matthew 24, Jesus, uh, verse 4, Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. We see that taking place today. But all this is only the first of the birth pains and more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because, of, because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. This morning, church, we've been called. We've been chosen. And God's doing a great work, and there's so much more work to be done. And you're a part of that work. If you're here in this place this morning, you could hear my voice. You were a part of that work. We must remain faithful because the second coming is near. We must keep them first always and while there is time we need to get to work and lastly we have to keep watch as a faithful watchman to warn others about the coming of Christ and what God desires to do in their life how God desires to save them and touch them and help them we enjoy the peace of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit but church let us not ever get comfortable to where we forget what God's called us to do we enjoy the blessings that he bestows on us. We enjoy the many blessings that we have. We understand the responsibilities that we have to, to get up each morning and go to work and uh, to enjoy our family, to enjoy our children, to enjoy our loved ones, to serve God in ministry here in the house of God, to do all the things that we have to be responsible for. But let us never get comfortable and let us never forget that he's coming soon and we have to be ready. 
And I know you've heard this message before, but today this is just a reminder, people of God, that Jesus is coming back. And our lives and our hearts have to be prepared. Because while we're blessed to have today, we're not promised tomorrow. I pray that it comes. I pray that it comes for all of us. But we're not guaranteed that. So while it is called today, let us be faithful with the task that he's given us, the responsibility that he's given us, the message that he's given us. Let us be faithful to share that so that others can be touched and changed just as you and I have been changed. Thank you, Jesus. You received that this morning? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word this morning. We thank you for your truth, for your grace, and for your mercy, Lord God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.